Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have a sermon from Scott on Lent and fasting. Good morning. This is Lent. The church goes through a number of seasons throughout the church calendar, and I was reading a short story by a Roman Catholic writer by the name of J.F. Powers, and in this short story, he told the story through the the, uh, voice of a cat in the local Catholic uh, establishment where all the priests and nuns were living. And the cat observed that this Catholic parish observed the following seasons. Baseball, football, Christmas, basketball, and Lent. We're in Lent. Actually, we're in baseball season two, Jay. And basketball. And basketball, that's right. So we are looking at Lent. What is Lent about? I want to answer this question today once and for all. We are looking at the three classic Lenten disciplines uh, from Matthew 6, 1 to 18. It begins with almsgiving or generosity, and then Jesus moved to prayer and then to fasting. And last week we looked at uh, generosity, and this week uh, fasting, and next week prayer. In our scripture readings this morning, we noticed that The response to realizing God's judgment is on the people of God is to confess and to fast. We learned also in this uh, very well famous uh, hymn, uh, I mean, uh, Psalm of Psalm 51, uh, what it means to confess our sins. So, Psalm 51 has become the foundation for the history of the church's prayers of confession. And then we see in the gospel story, the narrative, that fasting has become an ordinary routine for the people of God. We learn in our gospel readings, and combined with Matthew chapter 6, that fasting that is not fundamentally a relationship with God is a fasting fail. We get a little sassy, and we say that non-fasting, non-God fasting, is dieting or disciplining. That's not what fasting means in the Bible. It is all about our relationship with God. During Lent, we enter into fasting, or some of us enter into fasting, in a variety of ways. Many people identify Lent with abstinence from chocolate. I think that's number one. Alcohol, number two. Movies and Facebook and social media now are all about Tide with Twitter and Instagram and all those things. So these are the things people are denying themselves of and see it as fasting. So people have a Facebook fast. I have theological objections to using the word fasting with that, but I'll I'll avoid that for right now, but I'm coming back. So fasting for many during Lent is about abstaining from pleasures and distractions 
And quite often, one informs others that a fast is being undertaken in order to gain one's spiritual balance again. Spiritual balance, of course, is a very good idea, like Christmas and baseball. But I want to refocus our thoughts today about fasting and what the Bible teaches us about fasting to ask the question, what is fasting? What is this all about? And I want to begin by looking at some of the famous voices uh, on fasting, people who've written about this and have made uh, significant statements that have carried weight over time. St. Augustine reminded his readers why they should fast. He said, because it is sometimes necessary to check the delight of the flesh in respect to licit pleasures in order to keep it from yielding to illicit joys. So for Augustine, fasting was about moral improvement and sanctification. John Calvin supplements Augustine. He says, whenever men, or women, he didn't use women, whenever men are to pray to God concerning any great matter, notice it's connected here to prayer, it would be expedient to appoint fasting along with prayer. Their sole purpose in this kind of fasting is to render themselves more eager and unencumbered for prayer itself. With a full stomach, he says, our mind is not so lifted up to God. For him, then, fasting is in part about spiritual preparation for prayer. My favorite Roman Catholic writer on fasting has a name I can barely pronounce, Adelbert de Vogue. V-O-G-U-E, I, you, can, you can go for it, Vogue, is that it? Who wrote a book called To Love Fasting. Now, this is a theologian's delight. His practice as a priest, as a monk, was to fast daily with one meal each day. And it was in a monastery in a private hermitage. Fasting, he said, was no longer for him a constraint and a penance but a joy and a need for my body and soul. I practiced it spontaneously because I loved it. Devogue. For fasting for him was a daily spiritual rhythm. Most people aren't monks if they can live like this. John Piper has observed that the saints of the church were fasters. And then he makes this observation. They were hungry enough for God's leading that they wanted to say it with the hunger of their bodies and not just the hunger of their hearts. So for John Piper, fasting is about spiritual depth. I find these words about fasting generally wise. Pretty good. Who wants to disagree with Augustine, Calvin, and Piper in the same moment? I'll do my best. Put in the simplest of terms, many talk about fasting as something we do in order to get something from God. So we fast because we want something. We want moral transformation, which is a good thing. We want success in our prayer life. We want daily rhythm. We want spiritual depth. So let's fast, and maybe we'll get it. Which leads me to say that fasting, in these cases, is about desire. 
It's about desire. We make fasting something that physically expresses our spiritual desire. We embody our desire for something by turning desire into fasting, into self-denial. So, as a professor, I now want to become a teacher, right? And I don't know how this will work, but uh, A is the situation, B is fasting, C is the desire. Most people's understanding of fasting is B looking at C. The Bible's understanding of fasting is B looking at A. Whether you get C or not is not the point. There is almost no instance in the Bible of an individual fasting for individual benefits. So we want to turn the uh, focus away from spiritual formation, which is a good thing, toward what fasting is talked about in the Bible. I call fasting, looking in this direction, instrumental fasting. Fasting becomes an instrument, a mechanic that we use to demonstrate to God how serious we are about something, hoping that God will see our intensity. This is what Calvin is talking about. So that we will be given intimacy uh, with God or answers to the prayers that we want or longings fulfilled. If you fast, you will find deeper spiritual formation, is this idea. If you will fast, you will be more safe in your travels. You will find sexual urges diminished. You will discover a more profound hope for your life. You will get answers to your prayer requests by ramping up your prayers with fasting. You will lose weight, which has nothing whatsoever to do with fasting in the Bible. And you will be more healthy which is the same thing. I call this list of benefits benefit-itis. It's a medical diagnosis that itis, I think, means inflammation. Is that right, doctor? So this is an inflammation of benefits that get accrued to fasting. But in the Bible, that's not the focus. It's not over here. It's over here. So you ask, what's over here? We're getting there. Fasting in the Bible did not connect fasting to desires. Bible connects fasting to grief. So now the sermon turns dark. No no more fun, folks. Fasting is about grieving, grievous situations in the Bible. People saw something deathly. They saw sin. They saw the judgment of God, and they fasted. Not so God wouldn't do it, but because they entered into God's perspective on what they were facing. So the Bible teaches that fasting is about grief. Let me define fasting, just in case it's not clear. Fasting is intentional abstinence from food for a designated period for, in order to respond to a grievous situation. It is intentional Abstinence from food. Right? Morning in uh, the, kip, the typical fast in Judaism was breakfast and lunch, and then they would eat at dinner. That would be a, a, day, a day's fasting, sort of like Adalbert de Vogue. It is an intentional response of not eating for a designated 
temp you, uh, you, you say it's going to be for two days. And then it is a response to something grievous, a difficult situation. Fasting is not dieting in the Bible. It's not connected to dieting at all. Furthermore, we should avoid the heroic. I have had friends who've fasted for 40 days, and they said they had amazing spiritual experiences. And I said to them, cheekily, that's called chemical reactions in the brain, I believe. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that this is really good for your body. Your body begins to go against itself in some way. So I, I, I would say, see a doctor if you want to do something heroic about fasting. Fasting in the Bible is not heroic other than Moses and Jesus, and, and we're, we're not Moses or Jesus. So let's stick with the ordinary. And it was usually a day, a breakfast and lunch. To show the connections between fasting and grief, I asked out of all routines for two passages in the Gospels to be printed in your order of worship. And if you will look at Mark chapter 2, verse 18, verse 19, sorry, you will see this. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? Now, you may know that Mark, I know this because I'm a professor, okay. Mark wrote the gospel first, and then Matthew plagiarized. He copied from Matthew and updated it and expanded it. And some of his updatings are revisions and modifications and using of different words to make things clear. So look what Matthew does in verse 15. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn, grieve? This is a typical Greek word for grieving. So he changes fasting to grieving because that's what fasting is in the Jewish world. It is grieving. Not hopeful, it's sad. It's looking at something bad and facing it and grieving over that. But Matthew slips he doesn't keep it. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. He's copying. He didn't bother changing that one to mourn. But this is how we often understand the meanings of words among Jews, is they use a word and then they'll use another word like it. And we begin to pick up connections and resonances of Greek words. The Greek word fasting in the Jewish world will always mean grieving mourning. The rock, you know, so Mark says, I think Matthew says to Mark, you say fast, I say grief, and everybody will get the idea. So he clarifies what this word means. The rock bottom idea of fasting in the Bible is to grieve. It is grieving people fast. And this is common. When someone dies, People don't say, let's eat. They say, let's not eat. It seems sacrilegious to indulge when people are grieving. That's the core idea of fasting in the Bible. The problem is it's St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> this is not the best of days to talk about fasting and grieving. So we'll start tomorrow.
If you look at the text that we looked at today, you will see the confession of Psalm 51 does not mention fasting. You will see that fasting also is a corporate experience or a group activity, not an individual activity. Who in, in this Bible passages fasts? Israel, the church, John's disciples, the Pharisees, and eventually Jesus' disciples. It's not so much an individual thing as it is a group thing. It's something we do together to express our grief together. So it is fundamentally a corporate act, not a private act, And in the Bible, it is almost never, I'd like to say it never is, but I'm not absolutely certain. It almost is never an individual act. The big event for fasting is the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, no one went to local towns and said to people, if you sinned this year, come to Jerusalem. They said, come to Jerusalem because we sinned. Everybody confesses because everybody is involved in the sin of Israel. And that is why in the Bible, confession and fasting are always corporate acts that express complicity of all people in whatever happens. So these words, corporate and complicity, are very much involved with fasting in the Bible. The people of God behave together when they realized that the people of God had sinned, when God had struck judgment on the people. It is about abstinence, in part, not so that people will lose weight. It is about abstinence because people are so grievous about what has occurred among the people. <laughs> 